Well, good morning. As Jeff said, we're continuing in our series that we're calling I Believe. And in this series, what we're doing is we're taking a look at the foundational truths in the Christian doctrine. We're taking a look at those things that the church has agreed upon for centuries, the the big things, the big items, the things that you really need to know. And so far, we've taken a look at Jesus, we've taken a look at the Bible, we've taken a look at salvation, and today we're going to take a look at the Holy Spirit. Now, there's no way we can cover everything about the Holy Spirit in one day. Today, we're going to have to do a bird's eye view, and so there are going to be some things that you may would want to have been covered today, uh, and we just can't because of the sake of time. So if you want to email or, or call to follow up, you can do that with Charles anytime you'd like and ask him all the hard questions. You can come up afterwards. I'll give you his cell phone. No, I'm not doing that. But we can't cover everything today. And the reality is that when we talk about the Holy Spirit, there's a real tension. There's a real tension that we need to pay attention to. And that tension is actually something that we need to pay attention to in this entire series. You see, there's a tendency to simply make this an intellectual series. And there's a tendency to just fill up our brain with facts and and gain new knowledge, and that's it. And if all we did in this series was learn a few facts, while that's beneficial, we would have failed in this series. This series is designed so that there is change inside of us. And if you learn about the Holy Spirit and you learn about the work of the Holy Spirit, but then you put up barriers and you put up boundaries so that you are not convicted or humbled or transformed, then you really didn't learn about the Holy Spirit. So let's take a look at what the Bible has to say. We're going to look in the book of John. We're going to turn to John chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, you can take a Bible out of the seat rack in front of you. Uh, If you don't own a Bible, you can take that one home. It's free. It's our gift to you. We believe that reading the Bible has uh, the potential to impact everyone's life, so we want you to take that Bible home. But before we go into John chapter 14, what we're going to do is we're going to give you a little bit of background information. So here's what's going on. Jesus, the incarnated Son of God, has lived a perfect life, and he's nearing the end of his ministry. He's nearing the end of his life. And he's having his last moments. He's in a room and having his last moments with the people whom he loves, his disciples, the people who have lived life with him. And so he's giving them his last words. And just like anyone who is having his last moments with the people that he loves, these last words are the most important things that he wants them to remember. The most important things that he wants them to just store in their heart. And as he goes through these last words, he gets to a portion where he begins to try to comfort his disciples. He knows what is about to happen. He knows that his life is nearing an end. He knows he's about to be arrested. He knows that he's about to be put to death on a cross because of your sins and mine. He knows these things. And so what happens is, is that he tries to comfort his disciples. And as he's doing this, we get to a climax in that comfort. As he's doing this, we get to the cherry on top, and he begins to talk about the Holy Spirit. Look what he has to say in John chapter 14, beginning at verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. 
I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So there's a lot in this section that we just read, and we can't cover everything. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take just some bits and pieces of it and digest it a little bit slowly and, and see what Jesus is saying about the Holy Spirit. And so the first question that we have to ask ourselves is this. Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? And if you're new to church or, or you're new to the Bible or to Jesus, you might be like, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. And those two words are kind of foreign to me and it's kind of confusing. And if you're feeling that way, it's okay because we're going to kind of unpack it a little bit today. And the question that we're asking is, who is the Holy Spirit? And it's important to ask that question that way. It's important to ask the question, who is the Holy Spirit, not what is the Holy Spirit? Because it's all about a who, not a what. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not the force from Star Wars. Okay? He's not like something that you can manipulate so that you can tell stormtroopers that they come to you and say, move along, move along, or anything like that. He's a person. He's a person. And we see this in the way that Jesus refers to him. As Jesus is talking in this passage, what is he saying? He's saying pronouns. He's saying he. He's saying him. He's using pronouns as he refers to him because the Holy Spirit is not a thing. It's not some sort of energy. He is a person. And he is described in the Bible at other times that also refers to the person of the Holy Spirit. And we learn in the Bible that the Holy Spirit also has emotions. That the Holy Spirit can be grieved. And not only is the Holy Spirit a person, but even more amazingly, the Holy Spirit is in fact God. And we'll see this in how Jesus refers to him. But one of the hardest, yet one of the most beautiful truths in the doctrine of Christianity is that of the Trinity. One God existing in three persons. Not three separate gods. Not one God just acting differently. One God existing in three persons. And so we've already established that God the Father is God. And we look back a few weeks ago at John 1, we talked about how God the Son, Jesus, is also God. And today we're going to look at God the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's kind of mind-blowing when you think about the Trinity. It's confusing. And if we were honest with ourselves, we, we don't fully, completely grasp it. We kind of just grasp enough in our finite minds to understand the beauty and truth of it. And we can't go into the doctrine of the Trinity today. That will have to be reserved for another day. But what we're going to talk about is the divine nature of the Holy Spirit. 
And what we're going to look at is in verse 16. Jesus says that he's going to ask the Father to send another advocate. Now, we're going to talk about that word advocate in just a little bit. But what I want to focus on is the word another. Another implies that there was someone already there, that there was an advocate there, and that is Jesus himself. And Jesus knows that he is about to leave his disciples. He knows that his time here on earth is going to be ending. And so he asked, he's going to ask the Father to send another advocate. And during that time, the word another was used, there was two words for another. One of them referred to something different, something that was of a different kind, uh, of a heteronature. That's not the word that was used in this passage. The word that was used in this passage for another was one that implied of the same, uh, same substance, of the same nature. And what Jesus has done in the Gospels is he has already talked about his uh, equating himself to God. And he pa- passes on that equality in this verse by saying that the Holy Spirit of the same nature. There are other uh, passages in the Bible that talk about the divine nature of the Holy Spirit, but what we're focusing on is just Jesus and how Jesus is equating himself of the same nature as the Holy Spirit. And so if the Holy Spirit is a person as well as God, then something huge just happened. Something mind-blowing just happened. And we have to pay attention to it. If the Holy Spirit is a person, and the Holy Spirit is in fact God, then when Jesus says this, we should pay attention. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Okay, that's good. Okay, that makes sense. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. That's huge. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is, in fact, God. And as a follower of Jesus, then you know him. He is with you, and he is in you. But do I live my life like I actually believe that truth? If God himself is someone whom I know, and not just know, he is with me and in me, that should change everything. This is huge. We are able to know the person of the Holy Spirit. He is with us and in us. This is huge. And the reason it's so important is because the Holy Spirit, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it's about relationship. It's not about some process. It's not like we can breathe deeply, clear our minds, and and control this energy, electric energy force. It's about a relationship. And so we are to grow in deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit and allow him to impact us. But how does he impact us? Well, let's look at what Jesus says are some of the roles of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit and and, and his roles and the position of the Holy Spirit. But we're going to take just a look at what Jesus says in this passage. And we're going to go back to that word, advocate. Now, one of the things you need to understand is that we're not reading the Bible in the language that was written. We're not reading the Bible in the language that Jesus spoke. And there's a word here used that that is translated into this word advocate that's called parakaleo. And because we read a Bible that is not written in the original language, there are many different versions and many different translations. They're all true. They're all good. But they may differ by a word here or there because of preference of translation. So we read a version that said, advocate. We may read another version that says, helper. 
We may read another version that says counselor, or another version says comforter. How are there different versions using different words for this one word? And they're all correct. Well, because in the English language, we don't have a word that fully grasps the beauty and depth of this word. The Holy Spirit is our legal advocate and relentlessly defends us. But he's also our helper, our comforter, and has an intimate relationship with us. And all of those things come together in verse 26 as we see how he has, interacts with us. We see some of the roles of his position. In verse 26, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will teach us and remind us of everything that Jesus has said. And that's something we should probably pay attention to. You see, because too often what happens is, is that I pay attention to the voice inside of my own heart. When I mess up, when I screw up, when I do whatever, when I get frustrated, I start to tell myself certain lies. I start to tell myself that grace does not apply to me, that I have to earn it. I start to tell myself this and that, and what happens is the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 that's not what Jesus said. That's not the words of Jesus. That's not what Jesus did. And he has to turn me back to the gospel over and over and the transforming power of the truth of the gospel. He teaches us, reminding us of Jesus and what he has said and what he's done. And as he does that, he impacts our lives and he begins to do a work. And there is evidence of that work in our world. You see, there is proof of the Holy Spirit there is proof because of his work. And I want to focus on two proofs today. The first one I want to focus on is this. If we were just to go just a little bit further, just two chapters further, we'd go to John 16, 14. And what we would see is that the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. He brings glory to the name of Jesus. The work of the Holy Spirit reveals the truth of who Jesus is so that people will believe. Look at Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. These are not disconnected. These are not separate thoughts. They're connected. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Why? So that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The receiving of the Holy Spirit and the gifts and power of the Holy Spirit is for the purpose of us being witnesses of Jesus. And we become clearer witnesses of Jesus by the transformational work of the Holy Spirit inside of us. As the Holy Spirit begins to work in us, we begin to look more and more like Jesus. We begin to have fruit we begin to have fruit of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5, this fruit is identified. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. As the Holy Spirit transforms you, as he works in you, this fruit is evident, and this fruit are all characteristics of Jesus. We become a clearer picture of who Jesus is. And if the proof of the Holy Spirit is the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience in my life, if the proof of the Holy Spirit is that <coughs> those around me begin to believe 
in the truth of the gospel, begin to believe in who Jesus is, that those around me begin to trust in Jesus. If that's the proof of the Holy Spirit, I'm left with one question. Is the proof of the Holy Spirit in my life? Well, not yesterday. I'll tell you that much. Because my kids decided to test me. And I failed. I wasn't too patient yesterday. I wasn't too loving yesterday. I wasn't too kind yesterday. And there are days when that happens. There are days I am not a clear picture of Jesus. There are days when people are seeing the exact opposite picture. So what happens on those days? If my life is supposed to be proof by the fruit of the Spirit and by the continuing of the mission of Jesus, but by the Holy Spirit working in my life, if, if that's supposed to happen, what happens on those days? And here's the deal. We tend to come to the incorrect conclusion. When we're not acting that way, when we're not exhibiting the proof of the Holy Spirit, what happens? We tend to tell ourselves, well, I need to be more loving. Well, I need to be more joyful. I need to have more peace. I need to be kinder. I need to participate in the mission of Jesus more. That's the incorrect conclusion. It's the right action, but it's the wrong source. So what are we supposed to do then? Friends of mine, uh, Rob and Stephanie, they have uh, a basketball hoop in their driveway. And it's a really cool uh, basketball hoop. It's the kind with the fiberglass and has the crank. It can go up to 10 feet and go down so that the little kids can play on it. Uh, and then I can feel good about myself and dunk on a seven-foot rim or something. But we cranked it down. And my youngest son, Justice, a couple years ago was playing in the driveway. And he was trying to play on this seven-foot basketball rim. And he was failing miserably at it. He would try to toss the ball up, and it would go like two inches and then like hit his head, and it was just embarrassing. But finally, he picks up the ball, and he looks at me, and he goes, Daddy, can you help me? And I said, okay. So he has the ball, and I pick him up, and I lift him all the way up to the hoop. And he drops the ball, and he grabs my arms and goes, no, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And I just bring him down, and I give him a hug, and I said, buddy, I got you. It's okay. I got you. You're not going to fall. I'm holding you. So he picks up the ball and, and he lets me pick him back up again. And we go up there and he, he takes the ball and he dunks it with two hands and hangs on the rim doing his best LeBron James impersonation. <laughs> Screams and everything. It's great. And he loved it. He says, do it again. So we did it about 15 times and he was just so happy, so filled with joy. I want to ask you a question. Did Justice dunk the basketball? Yeah, he did. Justice dunked the basketball. Would he have been able to do it if I wasn't holding him? No. Justice dunked the basketball, but it was because it was my strength holding him up to the rim. We are supposed to actively engage in, in having a life filled with love and joy. We're supposed to actively engage and continue the mission that Jesus started, but it's not based on our own strengths. We can't come to ourselves for the source of completing that mission. We can't come to ourselves for the source of living out a life filled with the fruits of the Spirit. We can't go to the wrong source. What happened in the first shot? Justice dropped the ball. 
He dropped the ball because he was afraid. He dropped the ball because he wasn't in control. He dropped the ball because he didn't trust fully that he was okay in my arms. You see, if you're going to try to do stuff on your own without the Holy Spirit, you're going to eventually drop the ball. See, the opposite of the work of the Holy Spirit is self-sufficiency. The opposite of the work of the Holy Spirit is self-sufficiency. And that only lasts so long. Because at some point in your life, you're going to go through some sort of pain. At some point in your life, you're going to go through some sort of hurt, some sort of betrayal, some sort of heartbreak. You see, it's easy to show love and joy and peace when things are going well. It's not so easy when you've been hurt. And if you're relying on your own self-sufficiency, you will drop the ball. Can I point out something? When Justice dropped the ball, I didn't drop him. When Justice dropped the basketball, I did not let go. The Holy Spirit doesn't depart you when you drop the ball. But there are times when you are going to have to turn and just like my son did, ask for help. You cannot live life self-sufficient, not the way that God intended. You have to ask for help. It is through the strength of the Holy Spirit that you can accomplish the mission that Jesus started, that you can continue that mission, that you can live out lives filled with the fruit of the Spirit. You cannot be self-sufficient. So what do you need to let go of? What are you doing in your own efforts? You see, far too often what happens is that we don't turn to the Holy Spirit. We turn to our own skill sets. We turn to our own financial security. We turn to whatever, anything other than the Holy Spirit when we should be falling on our knees and praying and asking for help. What are you holding on to? Because maybe you're going to be a campus pastor soon. And you got to open up a site in Quakertown. And maybe you're relying way too much on your own plans and efforts and skill sets and not spending enough time on your knees asking for help. Just being honest here. It's very easy for me to be self-sufficient, and that's only one example. It's very easy for me to do that. But that's not what I should be doing. I should be running into the arms of God and saying, help. What do you need to let go of? Maybe you need to let go of bitterness that has been holding you hostage for so long. Maybe you need to let go of that job search or that financial um, hardship. Maybe you need to let go of your worth and identity in your job that you just work like crazy because you're like, I need to keep this up because this is my self-sufficient way of living. You're going to get to a point where you're going to realize that that just doesn't work. What do you need to ask for help for today? You see, if you don't ask for help and you live a self-sufficient life, here's what the fruit is. It's anxiety, it's anger, it's impatience, it's pride. Those are not the fruits of the Holy Spirit. But if we let go 
And we realize that we were not meant to be self-sufficient, but we were meant to cling to the power of God who, is, who we know, who is with us, and who is in us. And that allows the Holy Spirit to work in us. And that's when we become transformed. And that's when we become a clearer picture of Jesus. That's when we begin to live lives filled with love. That's when we begin to live lives filled with joy. That's when we begin to live lives filled with peace. That's when people start to see Jesus. And that's when people begin to believe in the truth of the gospel. Let's stop living lives trying to be in control and understand that we were never meant to be. Let's reach out our hands and ask for help so that others may see who Jesus is through our life and that they may believe the truth of what Jesus has done. Let's be clear pictures of Jesus as the Holy Spirit works inside of us. Let's pray. Lord, I ask for your forgiveness for the many times that I try to take control when it's not my area to take control. I ask for your forgiveness for the many times I look to fix something instead of asking you for help. Lord, I ask you that you will work inside me and make me a clearer picture of Jesus so that I will do the part that you have for me not on my own strength, but being held up by you. Lord, we ask you that people will see a clear picture of Jesus in our lives. That we will be known as a church that the Holy Spirit is working in and transforming our very being so that we can look like Jesus. So that people will believe and have their lives changed as well. Help us to let go and allow us to see how you show up. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.